Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Partisan Bites, where we're going to kind of talk about the top news and some commentary of what's going on in the country over the past week or so. Uh, my name is Nick. Probably one of the bigger stories of the past week, I'd say, would be the uh, the fact that uh, President Trump's proposed budget kind of got leaked out there. And uh, a lot of people saw, you know, a lot of people were kind of freaking out on both sides of the aisle about the fact that there's a $54 billion increase in the military in the United States. The $54 billion is somewhat misleading. Really, it's only about $18 billion, which is still a large chunk of money going to the Pentagon. The rest of the money is kind of earmarked to go towards other departments in the government that kind of deal with defense-related activities, kind of like the Department of Energy, you know, because they manage the they manage the, the nation's nuclear arsenal. So, you know, the $54 billion is, isn't technically all going to the Pentagon. It's kind of going a lot of different places throughout the government. The right is looking at it from the viewpoint of, you know, that's not enough money. They, they feel there's, there should be more than $18 billion going to the Pentagon for defense-related activities across the world, whereas the, the left is looking at it like, look, you know, $54 billion to all these different agencies could be spent in better ways. You know, if you, when you look at when you look kind of the, at the 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 bigger picture of it, you know, it kind of leads to at least it should lead to a bigger question of you know should we be increasing our military spending you know eighteen billion fifty four billion whatever that much you know when there's so many different areas that the money could go to whether it's infrastructure the education system um, healthcare you know we've got healthcare issues going on in the country right now the United States is already the world's largest military. I mean, it spends more in a single year than the next nine largest militaries in the world combined. You know, you figure China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, the UK, India, France, Japan, uh, Germany, and I think number 10 is South Korea. You take all those militaries and combine them. The United States spends more than all those. I'm not trying to say we need to drastically reduce the size of the military in this country. I'm just trying to, I'm just saying that, you know, at some point we've got to, at some point we've got to look at the country and say, look, yes, we need to have a strong military presence throughout the world, but there's got to be some kind of line set. Look, you know, it's, we can't keep continuing to dump more money into the military already has, you know, tanks and planes and things that they don't use that they can't use that they, they just have too much of. Look, there's waste in every department throughout the government. I think at some point we need to kind of audit the Pentagon and say, look, are they spending this money wisely? Is this money, can this money be used in better ways in other departments? You know, also big news in the week, I guess, was, uh, I guess, you know, the other big topic out there has been the rash of anti-Semitic acts in the United States. You know, just in 2017 alone, there's been over 100 bomb threats made against Jewish schools and uh, community centers all across the United States. I mean, just this past Monday, there were 31 threats alone in 16 states across the U.S. Um, now, granted, they, they have caught uh, one individual in, uh, I think it was Missouri, I think, that they think, you know, was connected to eight of these threats. Apparently, they weren't really... At least with him, they weren't anti-Semitic in nature. He was, 
It appears that he had a grudge against an ex-girlfriend and was making a lot of these threats, at least those eight threats in her name. Really kind of, it sounds like kind of a weird situation, but you know, a vast majority of the rest of those I'm sure are anti-Semitic in nature. You know, there's been a rash of, you know, there were uh, cars in in South Florida that had uh, swastikas carved in the side of them. There's been a rash of uh, Jewish cemeteries across the U.S. being damaged, tombstones being torn down, smashed, swastikas painted throughout the cemeteries. I know Vice President Pence was, I'm not sure, I don't remember what state it was, but uh, he was helping clean up one of the cemeteries just recently. So there is an issue that it seems to kind of reared its ugly head over the course of the past, you know, six months to a year. At least that's when the media kind of started picking up on it. I don't think it's merely a coincidence that these or other race or religious attacks have grown exponentially since Trump won the Republican nomination and subsequently the White House. You know, he's he, he led this divisive and vitriolic campaign that's really seem to kind of normalize this behavior in the, in the, in this country, you know, but they've done absolutely nothing to try to, to, to squash this kind of, this thought out there, you know, really since blatantly, I would say since the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, the Republican party is, has, has used this kind of dog whistle politics to really drum up support after Ronald Reagan won the, the Republic, Republican nomination in 80 his first campaign stop was in Philadelphia, Mississippi. The only thing of note that's ever happened in Philadelphia, Mississippi was the fact that three freedom riders were brutally murdered by Klansmen. That's the only thing that's happened down there. You know, so you've got a chunk of the public out there that, that they don't understand why he's going there. It, it, it doesn't, they don't question it. Okay. He's just doing a campaign stop, but the people out there that really understand racist views see that as a rallying cry that this is their person. That's the person they're going to rally. They'll rally behind Trump used a lot of that same rhetoric and nonsense campaigning for president. It may not have seemed an issue to normal Americans. And I think that's where kind of the whole deplorable tag came from, um, which strangely enough, people kind of wear as a badge of honor now, but what, Hillary Clinton was trying to say was, at least what I think what she was trying to say was, you know, she didn't mean deplorable as in everyone that's going to, everyone that supports Donald Trump is a deplorable person. She meant like the, the dirt of our country, the racists, the bigots, the people that you don't want to associate with were the people that were coming out in droves to support Donald Trump. And it leads to a bigger question of race in this country. Where are we going? What are we going to do? How do we fix this? How do we end this deep-seated hatred and racism that's existed in our country for hundreds of years? And I know it's a really big question, and there, I guarantee there are no simple answers to it. But it's something that we, I think we need to really think about. Kind of continuing with the whole kind of race issue, you know, immigration's really kind of been a hot-button topic also. This past week... In Jackson, Mississippi, there was a group of immigration attorneys and immigration advocates that put a a press conference together to kind of try to highlight some of the issues that's going on, you know, with that's going on in immigrant families right now in the U.S. Being, you know, families being torn apart, really 
you know, families in hiding, not really knowing what their future entails. Uh, there was one lady in particular that got up and, and spoke about how her father and brother were, were recently uh, detained by ICE officers in a raid on their house. Um, her name was Daniela Vargas. They, uh, shortly after the press conference, she, you know, she gets in a, a car to drive away. She makes it, you know, a half a block and gets pulled over by ICE and gets detained. Now, Daniela, she was brought to the United States when she was only seven years old. And she was granted deferred action under President Obama's 2012 executive order, um, known as Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, which grants work authorization to undocumented immigrants who are brought here as minors, just as long as they meet um, education and work and 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 residency requirements, and they haven't been convicted of any any serious crimes either. You know this the, this quasi status. You know it's not really it's not really any kind of real immigration status. All it does is allows them to be here and work for a t- any two year period. So after two years, you've got to renew it. So sh- so Daniela's DACA had expired late last year while she was trying to save up the nearly five hundred bucks it takes to reapply. So her status expired. So of course she gets. Detained after this press conference, um, detained by ICE, and now ICE is stating that you know she has no right to go before an immigration judge, even though she has a valid defense defense against removal because her DACA application is still pending. You know this this type of of aggressive action by our government should really cause concern to the people living in this country. You know the the Democrats I see you know on the news every night. You know, talk basically just saying, hey, you know, the, the, the actions that this president has taken is racist. You know, I keep hearing everyone out there beating the, the drum of racism for these policies. But what I'm not hearing, what I'm not hearing from either side of, of, of our Congress are real plans to correct this. I know President Trump has made comments before about wanting to do a comprehensive reform. Um, especially doing something for the dreamers, you know, the, the undocumented immigrants that came in as minors. Um, it is time for a comprehensive reform. Kind of piggybacking on the whole Trump thing, though. You know, Trump's speech to the joint sessions of Congress last week. You know, I, I didn't really have any kind of issues with the speech. I thought it was a decent speech. You know, I thought it was sounded very presidential, you know, somewhat unifying. But we have to remember that his actions speak... And everyone's actions speak, everyone in Congress, everyone in our government, their actions speak much louder than their words. You know, much of what President Trump has done during his first month in office has been the complete opposite of the vision that he laid out in that speech Tuesday night. You know, his, from his immigration policies and the, and the Muslim, quote unquote, Muslim ban, the reversal of Wall Street regulations or the attempted reversal of, of the regulations, uh, reorganizing the National Security Council, putting his buddy Steve Bannon on there, um, you know, okaying the Keystone Pipeline. President Trump has appeared to do so many things this first month, but none of them, I think, have been any kind of unifying force. Um, you know, we we as a society really need to make sure that we hold our government accountable and not get distracted by what they say, but really, really focus on the actions that they do. We vote these people in office essentially to help us, you know, to, to, to govern a better society. And we need to make sure that happens. I don't want to sound 
too negative. So I'll try to, I'll try to leave it on a somewhat happier note. So I guess in, in, in lighter news, probably my favorite story of the week, my favorite uh, soccer team, Manchester United won the English football league cup last weekend. Um, it was the first domestic competition in English football this season. And they beat my, my second favorite English soccer team, Southampton, 3-2 at Wembley Stadium. It's a fantastic game. Manchester United goes up 2-0 midway through the first half, thanks to two goals, one by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the other one by Jesse Lingard. Uh, Southampton fights back, scores a goal just before half, just after half, to tie it up at two. And then an incredible header in the, I think it was the 88th minute of a 90-minute match, by by Zlatan, seals the game for for United, wins them the cup, and uh, made me a very happy, (laughs) made me a very happy United fan for the rest of the weekend. That's all I got. Hope you guys enjoy the uh, information. I try not to be too negative, but, uh, you know, I'd say uh, please follow us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, We're also on Spreaker. So there's, there's, should be a number of different podcasting sites and apps you can go through to get the show follow us rate us up leave us a review till next time see you guys